Stand up for righteousness. Stand up for justice. Stand up for truth. I truly believe that thoughts are the greatest vehicle to change. We do not care whether the cat is black or white, as long as it can catch mice. We choose to go to the moon in this decade and do the other things, not because they are easy, but because they are hard. Victory in spite of all terror. Victory however long and hard the road may be. To those waiting with bated breath for that favorite media catchphrase, the U-turn, I have only one thing to say. You turn if you want to. The ladies not for turning. Laughter is timeless, imagination has no age, and dreams are forever. Is a quote from the American animator, film producer and entrepreneur Walt Disney, whose legacy has brought smiles to millions, if not billions, of children the world over. I thought this was an apt quote for our guest today, who is leading an incredible organisation, bringing happiness to those who need it most. Our guest today is Louise Baxter, Chief Executive Officer and Executive Director of Starlight Children's Foundation Australia. Starlight has become one of the most trusted children's charities in the country. On a mission to brighten the lives of seriously ill children and their families, since 1988, Starlight has granted over 13,000 life-changing Starlight wishes, a force of good in society that provides hope during the toughest of times. Louise has been at the helm of Starlight Children's Foundation Australia for almost 15 years and was recently recognised by CEO Magazine as Australia's not-for-profit Executive of the Year in 2023. She was also listed in Pro Bono Australia's Impact 25, which recognised the 25 most influential and inspirational people in Australia's social sector. Hello and welcome to another episode of No Limitations, a show where we speak to elite world-class performing men and women and unlock the secrets and influences that have shaped their destinies and that you could apply to your own life. For our first-time listeners from all over the world, please don't forget to follow on your preferred podcast platform and share with your friends and colleagues. And for our listeners in the USA, Canada and the United Kingdom, a big hello. I am your host, Greg Robinson, Managing Partner of Blender Partners Board and Executive Search Firm. In this Christmas special, we hear of heartfelt and inspiring moments that make one believe in the power of humanity and what can be considered testing times. We delve into the work that goes behind the cape of Captain Starlight, a team with an unwavering commitment to granting life-changing wishes for the children across the country during the festive Christmas season and beyond. And before we start the episode, the wonder of a Starlight Wish starts with you this Christmas. To learn more about the Foundation and to support this most worthwhile of causes, please visit their website, www.starlight.org.au. So sit back and enjoy Happiness for Little Warriors. Louise, welcome to the show. Thank you so much, Greg. It's lovely to be here. Well, it's Christmas time. It surely is. Santa Claus is coming. A lot of children looking forward to presents, and you're known for making wishes. Can you really grant me a Highland cow? 
<laughs> I'm not sure about a Highland cow, but we do grant lots of pet wishes. Okay. And actually during COVID, the number of pet wishes that we granted increased dramatically. Mm-hmm. In fact, I think that Starlight might have been single-handedly responsible for the fact that I think we ran out of puppies in Australia. Is that true? Yeah, absolutely. So they were really hard to come by uh, because people wanted those companion pets. So we have granted lots of cats, dogs, and we have even granted calves. We have also, the most unique wish I think that we've ever granted was a snake. And so it was a diamond python and the little boy was sent to Taronga Zoo Mm -hmm. to learn how to be a tree and how to tree so that the snake could kind of climb over him. Right. Uh, And the snake grew to become an incredibly huge snake and now resides in the garden in a cave. So mum and dad's still happy with the snake there? Absolutely. There you go. (laughs) So as CEO of Starlight Children's Foundation, for those out there who aren't aware of what the miraculous work you and the team do, can you share a bit of the history and the purpose for the organisation? Starlight has been in Australia for 35 years. And we talk about our vision as being a world where everyone experiences happiness in childhood. Mm Mm-hmm. Happiness in childhood is one of the strongest determinants to how you will perform in your education, in your employment, and with long-term healthy life behaviours. Children who are seriously ill have their ability to be happy and to enjoy their childhood significantly impacted. And so our mission within that very bold vision is to brighten the lives of seriously ill children and young people. And so we have a range of programs which transform the experience of hospitalisation and treatment, which provide connection because children and families who are going through this are often really socially isolated by all that's happening to them. So that social connection is really important and moments of just pure fun and entertainment. And they're really moments that matter so that we can use actually the fact that children – we all as parents are really concerned about the fact that kids can be easily distracted. Will we use that for positive? Yeah, okay. And everything we do at Starlight is actually based on positive psychology. And it has been since day one. Mm-hmm. Wasn't actually called. That terminology probably wasn't used 35 years ago, but that's what we've been doing. So to give those children and lift them, even if it's just for a moment, it gives them, it, it, it supports their well-being and resilience and enables them to continue. And I once heard a parent say to me, Louise, what Starlight does is when you're diagnosed, when your child is diagnosed with a serious illness, it's like you've been dumped by a wave and you're under the wave and you just can't breathe. And Starlight lifts you up out of that wave so you can take a big, deep breath before another wave potentially hits you. And I think it's really important to think of it like that. So they're life-changing moments. And to be able to lift a child or in some instances to provide that kind of support throughout their hospitalization and treatment that can prevent a child from suffering from anxiety and depression and the things that are associated with diagnosis of cancer or other illnesses because we support children with all types of illnesses and injuries, that can be just life-changing and really important. What's sort of some of the examples that you deliver on when you say you raise the positivity? What it's about is 
I actually use this example when I see a child come into our Starlight Express rooms. Okay. And which, we have, is, which is what? A Starlight Express room is a haven away from everything that's clinical and has to be clinical in a hospital. Yep. So we're in every children's hospital in Australia and then some, and we have a character called Captain Starlight, and we have about 160 Captain Starlights, mm. and they all come from Planet Starlight. Oh, and they? they they fly every day on an invisible rocket ship that lands on the roofs of all the hospitals around Australia and their sole mission here on planet Earth is to bring smiles and happiness to sick kids. Yeah, right. And so they are the catalyst for fun and mayhem in the hospital environment. And when I see a child come into a Starlight Express room, especially if it's for the first time, you see a child in a wheelchair holding an IV drip and you see their head down and their shoulders down. You never want a child to look like that. And for me to see that child start to lift as they see a space that's so different from everything else they've been subjected to mm -hmm. in the hospital, you see them lift and start to take it all in that, wow, this place looks wonderful. And then you see them interacting with a Captain Starlight. And often it only takes minutes. And for me to see that child 10, 15, 20 minutes later roaring with laughter, completely forgetting where they are and why, yeah. well, that's the transformation that Starlight can create for a child. We train our Captain Starlights about connecting to the child within the illness because often a child becomes that child on Ward 1C with cystic fibrosis. You know, it's not a, it's not the child. And so what we do is yeah, right. maintain that sense of self. We never ask about the illness or the treatment. We sometimes find out, but that's not what they're, we're there for. We're there to enable that child to be a child, to be themselves, to have value, to feel fabulous about themselves. And so Captain Starlight then learns about this child and also their siblings because You've got to think, you know, I have had parents say to me, Louise, this is my five-year-old child, perfectly healthy, has spent every day of his life in hospital because his older brother or sister is seriously ill. And so that child's life is impacted. Yeah, right. And I think, yeah. I think that's the thing about serious illness. The entire family is, their life is changed. And whenever I speak to a parent, they never say to me, oh, last week or last year or last month when my child was diagnosed, they always say the date and the time, like it's just burned into their memory as the day that everything went pear-shaped. And so, you know, you speak to those parents and what they always tell you that their first reaction is, can they possibly, why is it their child, can they not swap places? How can I possibly swap places mm. with with my child? And they can't. The next thing that happens is they have to make a decision and often it means there's a financial impact because one parent needs to leave work or do something different to sit at the bedside of the child 24-7. You then have this separation in the family unit and it's tough enough for the families that might be city families, but if you then overlay their regional family, yeah. there's real dislocation there. Mm -hmm. Then you often have the other parent and that's often dad doing things that he may not generally be used to doing. So he might be doing, you know, all the things that mum used to possibly do. Yeah. 
and I'm using a very traditional family and not sure. all our families are traditional, but, you know, y- y- this is what happens. It's one one parent's beside the bed, the other parent is at home doing the homework, washing the uniforms, getting the school lunches, looking after the other kids. Then you have the siblings who are really worried about their brother or sister, but at the same time a tiny bit jealous of all the attention that child's getting. And then you have the child. Of course. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, They're getting all this very special time, they think. And then you have the child themselves who is going through incredible pain treatments that have to happen because we have one of the best pediatric healthcare systems in the world, which is wonderful. Mm -hmm. But still these things are tough to go through. But at the same time, they're feeling like they've caused this to the family. So Starlight steps in when all of these things – are happening in a in a family's life and we bring them back together for moments of being a family having that joy of childhood and just laughing at really silly ridiculous things um and having special moments and that makes such a difference to help these families to get through and i think the thing about a wish is when a child is referred to us for a wish and that's one of our many programs but when a child is referred to us they're referred by a health professional And at that moment in time, that health professional says, this child needs something positive to be looking forward to on the other side of a surgery, a treatment, or I can see this child starting to move into depression or anxiety. We need this now to lift the child and start that whole experience. So the journey of creating the wish is really powerful as well because the children can just think about everything. And some kids will lock onto something really early and other children will actually be in this position where they think about something and can I do that? And then a week later, it's, oh, can I do this? And so this change and it's that process, which is, which is part of the joy of the whole wish granting experience. And did you say, Louise, you're in, or you work with every hospital in Australia and plus some? Yeah, we work in every children's hospital and plus some. So, and then we're in 140, uh, we're heading back to that. That's where we were pre COVID, mm. 140 remote Indigenous communities. Yes, okay. Because Australia's Indigenous children yep. um, have some of the poorest health outcomes of children anywhere on earth. Yep. And that should not be the case in a country like ours. And uh, they often have communities will have a fear of potentially, you know, government health workers coming into their communities. And Starlight is that safe individual. Um, And so our Captain Starlights go into communities with the clinical teams to, in many instances, to do health checks, engage the child positively with the healthcare experience. If we can do that and get a diagnosis early, a lot of the things that these kids are diagnosed with, like rheumatic heart disease or meteorotitis, you know, if rheumatic heart disease is diagnosed, it can be managed and treated. If it's not, a child will just die. You know, on a soccer field, they just drop dead. And so that diagnosis is really important. And so the same with meteorotitis. If that's not diagnosed and not treated, then a child will become deaf in deaf for life. Mm -hmm. So, you know, these things, we need to catch them and we need to engage the children and their carers with that healthcare experience and ensure it's positive so that they come back for the repeat treatments, which are really an important part of us changing the dial on the health outcomes for these kids. So there's going to be a lot of families in the next few weeks sitting at home celebrating Christmas. Yes. 
the reindeer and Santa has turned up. What happens in hospital on mm. Christmas Day? We're there and we're there to help these kids and to support them and have fun and right up to Christmas and we have fabulous pantomimes and things, all the things that you associate with Christmas. But every minute of every day, a child is, is put into hospital and for many of these children, what happens? So they're all admitted to hospital every minute of every day. Serious illness doesn't stop over the Christmas break. No. Um, what what the health professionals are just fantastic at is trying to get as many children as they can out of hospital, even for children who are really in the middle of significant treatments. Yeah. They'll give them a, a lunch pass or something to get them out. But for many others, that can't be the case, and so they're there. So for us to make and to change that, to be happy and full of memories – that's what Starlight is all about. And so we will be we'll be there to support kids. We're having toy drives at the moment. Mm-hmm. We're raising funds. Mm-hmm. And we also want to be able to tell as many children as we possibly can. We have about 700 children at the moment who are already registered with us waiting for their Starlight wish to be granted. Okay. You know, we need to raise around $7,500 for a Starlight wish. Yep. That's the average cost of a wish. And we need to grant as many of those as we possibly can by Christmas or to tell those children that their wish will be granted because think of the joy that that brings. So it's all of these things that we will be doing, you know, over the next few weeks. So while other people might be winding down, we are running (laughs) towards that kind of end of year because there's a lot happening. Is this Christmas any different to previous years? I think for children – like it's is it tougher not. in any form? Well, uh, you like know, mums and dads, etc. I'm just going to say we're 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 hearing generally that things are tougher, and we know um, that this is the case. Mm. Our costs are up across yeah. the board yep. for everything that we do, uh, so that's the case for a family who have a child diagnosed with a serious illness. It's probably not as different mm. because they're already under incredible pressures that none of us can ever imagine. Yeah, exactly. And so those pressures will remain uh, regardless of what's happening more generally in the world. So how do you qualify it and quantify it? Because you're do. measuring happiness, aren't you? We are. What we do is we've worked on two social return on investment tools. We've worked on these with organisations who have specialties in this in this space, including mm-hmm. like Social Ventures Australia. Yep. And so what they do is they look at everything that we do. So the fact that we can reduce the number of children who potentially have, you know, need to be treated for anxiety and depression, that we lift the spirits of the children and, and you know, in some instances uh, it may, might mean that a child can be distracted so heavily that anaesthetic not needed when a burns dressing is being changed or something, which means then the child doesn't need to stay in hospital overnight. So they quantify all those things that are associated with um, the value of Starlight. We also know that we lift the morale in the hospital of all of the, the, the health professionals. Yes. And during COVID, when we were still there, we were always an essential service, but we were restricted. So often I heard from the senior people, we have got to get Starlight back in and up to the previous level of of, of uh, program delivery for the team because those health professionals were remarkable and they were un- un- working under the the most challenging and difficult circumstances, but they were there 
and they were fronting up, but it was tough and challenging for them. So to then remove those things which lift their spirits as well. So, you know, I've had doctors say to me, I'm not hopping in the lift with those Captain Starlights. I never know what they're going to make me do between floors. Yeah, that's right. So, you know, a bit of karaoke and a bit of you never know what. But that's fun and that's happiness. So so we do all these things. And what, what a social return on investment does is it quantifies all those. And so for every dollar we invest into the public health system, and, uh, you know, the majority of our programs are delivered into the public health system in Australia. Our social return on investment is currently sitting at, I think it's $5.70. So $5.70 of value is returned to the community for every dollar we invest. And so all those things are quantified, proxies are put in place. It's a very, it's audited. Um, and, and that's how we come to that calculation. But you know what? It's not about that calculation. Couldn't agree more. It's about the heart. And, you know, it's the stories of the children, of how Starlight changes their life. And look, I'll just share a story here. And uh, this story is is about a little boy called Sam, who is now a young man mm-hmm. and um, and flourishing. And Sam, when he was first born, his parents noted that one of his eyes didn't seem to be functioning the same as the other eye. It took quite a while, and then finally there was a diagnosis of retinoblastoma, which is a cancer. A few more years of treatment, and then it was the decision was made that the eye had to be removed. Now, this, this cancer is um, not uncommon with children, and so he had his eye removed. Now, all those years he's been in the hospital interacting with Captain Starlight, you know, they were just part of his day released from hospital and it wasn't long before the parents started to note the other eye started to react and in the same way as the previous eye. So back in diagnosis, retinoblastoma, another five years of treatment and then the decision that the parents had to make was it was either his life or his eye. So they made the decision that all of us would make and that was for his life. And on the day he was going in to have his second eye removed, his parents have said to me, it was just, you can imagine how everyone was feeling. But everyone was there. His, you know, grandparents, aunts, uncles, everyone was there. And his father said he looked around and said, I could see everybody's face. And I thought, I want his last visual memories of us all to be smiling. And nobody was smiling. And he said, the one place we can do that is in the Starlight Express Room. And they all moved to the Starlight Express Room where the grandparents were dancing with the captains. They were having fun and everyone was smiling. And I always use that. I I use this example a lot because to be able to create happiness and joy in that moment, which has got to be one of the most challenging moments any family will face, is remarkable. Now, Sam has gone on to be an ambassador for us um, when it was our 25 years. He recently had his starlight wish granted as a teenager and he's mad about trains, so to go on the GAN was his um, his starlight wish. And so, you know, still very much of that starlight family. And for a lot of these children, if they're diagnosed early, Starlight can be part of their life. Mm. Um, But now what we're seeing is so many of these children who are coming back to us as adults and saying, 
I want to share my story with you and say that the impact Starlight had on me as a child has helped me through my life because we're all about how do you turn something that is um, potentially negative and challenging, um, how do you flip that and look for the positive and how do you support your well-being and resilience? Because we all have those moments when we're that when we're feeling down and low. And so that's what they take from their starlight experience. And so to be able to tap into that kind of joy of childhood is really important. And and I think that uh, one of the most valuable things we do at Starlight, and we are a great place to work. Uh, we were recently acknowledged by Great Places to Work as a great place to work for women. Oh, I saw that. But, um, you know, thank you. But the, what makes us a great place for work for women is what makes us a great place for work for everyone. And we started working over a decade ago with Dr. Susie Green from the Positivity Institute. Yep. And we looked at what we did for the children and young people. And there's a science to positivity. Well, I was about to ask you about yeah. it. Go on. And so what we do is we made a decision then for us to be authentic. Why would we not give these tools to our team? And so we, every person who comes to Starlight now is trained in PosPsych and into the model of PERMA, which is all about, you know, tapping into positive emotions, knowing your own superpowers, learning how you can recognize one of the most powerful things for me is, you know, when you recognize those automatic negative thoughts, I don't know, someone calls you into a meeting and you think they're about to cancel your contract or they're about to do this, you know, you, we as humans will always jump to that. Uh, it's, it's, it's irrational fear sometimes. Yes, yeah. it is. So it, we train people and how do you flip that? Mm. And it's amazing how wonderful it can be when you have that person who calls you and you think, oh, that person's just called me. I know that's going to be a terrible phone call. It's like, stop it, Louise. Stop it. Why are you getting there? They could be calling you for a number of really positive reasons. So get out of this mindset, pick up the phone and you make the call and they're calling to give you some good news about something. It wasn't anything, you know, you go down this rabbit hole of all these negative things that could be happening. And so I think being able to teach people you know how they can flip those what are their what are their superpowers and uh you know you have strengths and so everybody goes through having their their strengths kind of um uh measured and so we know what our our strongest strengths and we don't have weaknesses we just have stronger strengths mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, and um and then we share those with people but even within the teams we've had people who will mentor people because they've got a strength in an area where someone else has a low a lesser strength and so we look at how can we build those and i know what mine are and so i try to build those too so by giving people those tools and things like appreciation and gratitude are just such intrinsic parts of positivity and so you know we do all this and happiness and topping up your cup and we really have that mantra at starlight that you have to it's just like the the um, oxygen mask on a plane if you're not looking after yourself you know in that instance you have to put it on yourself before you're of use to anyone else well if you don't look after yourself you're of no use to anyone you work with any of your family and so that that um, self-care is something at Starlight that we really talk about a lot. And we even have best self-leave. So in addition to other leave, we give our team members um, three days a year of best self-leave. And we don't have any rules around that. We try to keep things very simple at Starlight. So 
What is it that tops up your cup? And so we don't have rules that it can be this and it can't be that. It is what what is it for you? And it might be, I don't know, going on a yoga retreat. It might be spending a day with a parent or a relative who's unwell or something. Um, you know, it might be a round of golf, whatever it is, but you can take you can take a, a day, three days off in every year. They don't accrue to do something that tops up your cup. It might be three days together. You might go on a very intense retreat or something. Mm-hmm. But what is it that really lifts your spirits? So, so just on that, I was going to ask you, for all the work that you've done, so there's a young child laying in bed, as you say, seriously ill, what percentage of it then is going to determine their future well-being in the mind from what you've seen so far? Because you say it's positivity, positivity. Yeah. And I think I think some of this should be done at school personally as well. Right? Well, there's many schools that are starting to move in that direction. Okay. Okay. Right. So there are schools that are starting to to look at this, but yeah. more. I would hope more. <laughs> um, I, I think the thing you can't separate, and it probably was something. You know, we started 35 years ago. Yep. And and 35 plus years ago, there were potentially some clinicians who felt it was all about the the physical. And all about the treatment, but that's their job to uh, to a certain point. Well, right? well, yes and no. But, the, but they're missing the other part. Well, that's right. Mm. You won't find many clinicians who think that way now, because clinicians now recognise that holistic care, yeah, yeah, yeah. total health, yep. it's about mind and body, and that if you can have somebody in a more positive mental space, yep. they have higher resilience, and it means that they manage you know, their treatment in a very different way. And so you can have – we're all about working in partnership for improved health outcomes, Mm -hmm. and that's what it does. And and improved health outcomes are not just about the physical. It's about the physical and the mental together because you don't want a child to come through this and the physical has been corrected and they've survived and they've come out the other side, but their mental health is is not. So we need to look at both sides because for us to have that adult yeah. who looks back positively on their childhood, they've got to look for those positives. And one of the things that parents will often say to me- Mum and dad needed just as much as anybody oh, else, right? You know what? When when I do ward visits sometimes with mm. the captains, you're there with the child and you look over the parent and you think that parent is absolutely spent yeah. and they're just so exhausted and to lift their spirits and help them to laugh. But when their child laughs and smiles and they know their child is still there within this illness, that lifts them. So it's um, it's I say what we do is so incredibly simple and so incredibly powerful. So who are the Captain Starlights? Where do they come from? Uh, Why do they cap- come from out, up there? Uh, they come, they come from Planet down, but- Starlight, Greg. I've told you this. <laughs> um, uh, all of our captains uh, have a performance background. Oh, do they? Yeah. And okay. uh, we give we provide additional training, and we've just had four days of training with the captains where they will learn how things like how to be invited into space, how to ensure that you have boundaries to protect themselves. Because think about what they're doing every day as well. Mm. It can be challenging, Mm. but they get to use their performance skills to change a child right then and there. And they can see how their amazing skills change a child from, you know, sad to happy in a moment. And that's also got to be a pretty remarkable way to spend your day. (laughs) 
and we we train them in additional improv. They work with a lot of children for whom I- even in in remote communities yeah, I was ask you about that. where English is not their language, yep. but you can use a whole lot of other skills to be comedic and fun and connect that that aren't language skills. Yeah, so they're trained very much that they are enough as well. They don't need to have bells and whistles. Mm-hmm. You know, they are enough. And so they know how to engage in ch- and to engage the child in child-led play and interactions. Children have amazing imaginations. Yeah, exactly. So if you can tap into that and know that that child suddenly, you know, a hospital curtain becomes something, becomes a wave in the ocean that the child is riding on their way from Fiji to Hawaii or whatever it is. Yeah. So, you know, to tap in and use those imaginations for children and to build on that is is amazing. Sometimes the kids come into our Starlight Express rooms and they just want to color in and or they want to sit and play video games or we have movies. So we have craft, we have and and all of our more recent Starlight Express rooms also include a kitchen area to make it feel like home. And sometimes you see the parents come in with the child just to sit up at the kitchen bench and have a sandwich. Makes you feel like you're at home and not in a hospital. So all of those things that make children and families come together. And feel more comfortable. You've got a better lens than I've got from rural Australia mm-hmm. and those hospitals mm. and children's care. Mm. Where is it at compared to the, well the cities? Are they are they really challenged, or is it all children in regional areas who are diagnosed with a serious or chronic illness yep. come to the primary? Um, children's hospital in their location. Right. And we reflect the health system. Awfully difficult on mum and dad then. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, on the entire family. So you see people who uh, moved away from from where they currently are or have to live very differently or trips, you know. But I've heard, you know, fer- parents have said to me, before Starlight was in this hospital, I had to drive a couple of hours, whatever, and um, the night before my child would start to scream and cry because they didn't want to go to the hospital. Now that Captain Starlight and the Starlight Express Room is there, they don't talk about going to hospital, they talk about coming to see the captains. And they hop in the car and make me drop them at the front door of the hospital before I've parked the car and they race straight into the Starlight Express Room. So if we can reframe a child's experience of coming to hospital, then that's amazing because that changes their whole experience of that illness. And parents will say to me, they don't look back on the cancer or the fact that they were, you know, hit by a car and had to learn to walk and talk again. They reflect back because children are really positive and resilient creatures. Mm. You know, they look back on the happy and fun, hilarious times they have with the captains. And that's what they talk about in their their journey. So if we can we can do that for kids and just change it changes everything. The team, the team composition. Mm-hmm. Full-time versus support, um, those who give their time sparingly, those yeah. who give their time and commitment second to none. Do you want to share a bit of that and some yeah. well, of the we stories have, about people to do this? We have nearly 400 paid team members, mm-hmm. but and they work a mix of full-time, part-time, casual. Yep. And For those people who have performance backgrounds, we encourage them to maintain that and we're incredibly flexible. And we hear a lot that they will say others offer flexibility but don't 
deliver it, we deliver it. And so sometimes they'll say, I just got a gig doing Shakespeare for three months and we say, see you in three months. And then they come back. And what that does is it it helps them fill up their cup, but they go away, they learn skills, and then they come back to us mm. improved, mm. but then they learn things with us that improves them for their next job that they get outside of Starlight, their next role. So we have a mix. We have volunteers. And, you know, we started as a, a volunteer organization yep. and they're an incredibly important part of our DNA. Like all of our boards, our governance boards, our advisory boards, all amazing volunteers. Committees that we have for fundraisers, volunteers. People who work at those events and help us, volunteers. Volunteering days within corporates where they might package probably very busy wrapping Christmas presents at the moment for yes. us. So all of those things. So we need our volunteers. We also need volunteers in the hospital environments. We used to have a lot of volunteers who worked for us in that space. And as soon as COVID hit, the first people who were locked out of the hospitals were any volunteers. Mm. And then there's been a hesitancy of people to come back into the hospital environment. And so if anybody who's listening to, th to this is thinking and considering volunteering, we would love to chat to you. But we do live in a world of increasing compliance. And so there is compliance, you know, every hospital requires all vaccinations are up to scratch. We are an organisation that is accredited for safeguarding children and young people because the safety of the children and young people we support is our number one priority. And so there's training and that everybody has to do to come on board to be part of the Starlight team to do that. So it's uh, there's that added complexity that's coming into everything we do in this world. And while we try to simplify and keep that lens, we've got to make sure that we're covering and not missing anything in those incredibly important areas that, that are there to protect the children and young people. And I've talked a lot about Captain Starlights, but we also have a program called Livewire, mm. which supports adolescents. Yeah. And, you know, I always think adolescents, if we all think back to our own adolescence, um, it's an incredibly tough time. You know, it's challenging. It's when it's that time in your life when you're finding out who you are, when you're, you know, creating and forging those social connections that are possibly for life. Mm. It's the time when you don't necessarily want to be too different um, once you've found your tribe. Young people who are seriously ill are different. It makes them different. Yeah. You know, they can look different. They can smell cruel different. World, right? They, it's cruel. Yep. And so if you think of adolescence and then overlay the diagnosis of a serious illness yep. and all of the hospitalization and treatment that that means on top of it, that's tough. And so in recognizing that they're very different, we have a very different program called Livewire, which is an online program of peer support. And then we have amazing live wire facilitators in hospital who work with adolescents and in mental health units in um, hospitals with these kids to provide that important social connection and that that um, support of their well-being and resilience. And it can be a little different. So it might mean that we might be teaching them a very special art technique. You know, we even have some kids who paint portraits that there's a portraiture uh, hanging contest in um, in Perth. Fantastic. And we've got young people that go through and get their portraits hung. So we work with them not only on things that are distractive, but also on things that can be skills that they can have for life. We, we 
kind of keep the younger kids potentially away from that because they then can have that all-important time with, with their peers. You're listening to No Limitations with special guest Louise Baxter. For this Christmas podcast, I would like to make an appeal for you to visit www.starlight.org.au to find out more and donate to a great cause. And now, back to the show. How did you fall into this? Because I looked at your background. You started out in marketing and blue yeah, chips I did. organizations. Yeah, I did. A stellar career. Uh, yeah. And suddenly there's a change. There is. What um, happened? Was there anything in particular? Was there a family member? Was there yeah. uncle or auntie or anything in particular? Well, I, I've always I, – I come from a family. My parents were always raising funds for – and I came from a very kind of blue-collar family, but we were always raising funds for somebody – who or a cause the, of somebody who was more disadvantaged. Okay. And I did have an experience as a child where a childhood, you know, those families where you have all the kids the same age and go on holidays, et cetera, and uh, one of those um, children uh, was diagnosed with leukemia and and died. And I saw the impact. I saw the pain that he went through as through a child's eye mm. and um, I saw the impact it had on the family and so fast track a number of years and I loved my work in marketing and advertising and in many ways that's what I still do. I know, you went from I, one side, you went to the dark side as well. <laughs> I did. I was marketing and advertising, had my own business mm. as well, so started, um, you know. But it's an, all about communication? It's all about communication and it's all and about engagement. Uh, and customer insights and engagement and connection. That's what it's all about. That's what my whole career has been about. And so I don't think there's a, a big change really no. in what I do now, but I reached a moment in life where I thought, must be something more worthwhile to do with these skills than what I'm currently doing. Yeah, but you're in your primary career looking at that. Yeah. And I also had recently had my kids. You know, my kids were young. I, they were, I think, eight and five when I first went to Starlight. I went there on a six-month contract thinking I would return to a corporate in a CSR role because back then, and I'm talking a while back, everybody was talking about triple bottom line, That's right. ESG. We weren't right up to ESG then, but all of those things were becoming, we were heading in that direction. Mm -hmm. And so I thought that if I took a six-month contract because I had, I had the – client side, the agency side. Yeah. So I had the marketing, the agency, and I thought if I had the charity perspective, that would make me a stronger candidate to move back into the corporate world in that space. And um, I fell in love of the impact of Starlight, I think really from day one. And uh, it just connected so many things for me. And uh, I stayed. Well, if I roll it forward and it was it 2009 you became CEO? Yes. Okay. So as CEO, what did you inherit mm -hmm. and what was your vision going to be? Okay. I had left Starlight mm. and had gone back to corporate world and I came back. It was post It was post GFC. Mm. Things were really tough. Our fundraising was down after years and years of growth. We down did you get the call to come? Did you get the call to come back? Yes. Okay. Yes. Okay. And I hadn't been the CEO before. No. So, yeah. Um, and so a bit of a risk on their behalf? Yeah, and mine mm. <laughs> on everyone's because I was loving what I was doing. Okay. Um, and I, I stepped in and from day one, I realized that I just had to make the time immediately. I had to be moving quickly and making decisions. I had to be, I had to step up and be confident because no decision in that time 
which, as we all know, was, you know, it, it was causing grief all over the place. And um, no no information to the team was was worse that was the worst direction you could go. So so basically I had to step in and I listened and I really tried to meet with as many people as I possibly could as quickly as I could to really just hear them. It was okay. really two ears, one mouth. And I just listened and listened and listened. And was there consistency of message? Or yeah. And I, and I recognized quite quickly that the team needed to be brought together. They weren't cohesive. And because they hadn't been getting messages uh, and clarity, mm-hmm. they were making stuff up. So one of the first things that I did was introduce a thing called CEO Connect, and I went out and said, okay, I'm hearing a lot of things, a lot of things that aren't Sounds quite like good right. Ma- marketing jargon. So. Yeah, that's right, CEO yep. Connect. And what I want you to do is send me an email to CEO Connect. We set up a special email, and I will answer your question publicly to all of Starlight within 24 hours because what I knew was, and I said to people, because if you're if you've got that question – chances are another 5, 10, 20, 50 people have that question. So please, whatever you're thinking, put it in and you want answered, put it in and I'll answer it. So I started to answer and it's amazing how much incorrect, inaccurate, like water cooler conversation you flash out by doing that. It also communicates that you're accessible and that you're hearing and you're listening because that's that's what I was doing. Mm -hmm. The other thing that I recognized was that um, uh, a lot of the people – had started after I'd left and I hadn't been gone for that long, but had never, never been into a Starlight Express room. So implemented another tool. So what I was doing was symbols and tools that people could see. Mm-hmm. Um, and this is called Get Connected. Mm-hmm. So we had CEO, CEO Connect, Get Connected, and you could see there's a connection theme here. Yeah, yep. um, and Get Connected was that every single person in the organisation, no matter who you were, needed to spend half a day every quarter in our program, either with the team delivering a Starlight Wish, you know, online with Livewire, in our Starlight Express rooms, painting with a child. Because I said to everyone, every single person who works here is part of our program. I don't want to separate because there was this there were there were silos, and you oh, know, versus us type yeah. stuff. Yeah, okay. and it was like every single person here, no matter what your role, your role is critical enabling us to deliver the program and change a child's life. So all of you do that, not just the people who are in the hospitals or whatever, and all of you must be Starlight ambassadors because in any moment. Because that that helps our fundraising. Because in any moment when you're on a sideline, when you're at a dinner party, a barbecue, a family wedding, and someone says, what do you do? I want you all to have stories. So that storytelling is really powerful. Because when you go into a room and you're standing there and a parent says to you, Louise, this room is just amazing and my daughter has not been able to eat for a week and the nurse suggested that she come down here. So I just brought her down to the Starlight Express room and she went back to her room and she drank half a cup of milk and she hasn't swallowed anything in a week. So it was just amazing. You get those, A, it makes you feel incredibly proud mm. um, and B, it gives you that story to tell when you're in that doesn't need to be a whole once upon a time, the end, just an anecdote to share the impact of Starlight. So we did that. The other thing we did was I was really open in saying to people that I need everyone on the bus and I need everyone to be on the bus. Which button, what's the bus look like? It, well, yeah, and, and well, what we did was we said, here is our, here is our strategic 
um, the, we're here to brighten the lives. Here is the strategy mm -hmm. and how we're going to be doing so that. So I, I had a chance to be part of that. And yep. Yeah, they yep. had were part of that from everything I collected. Role clarity was an issue. So we made sure that everyone had clarity around their role. Mm -hmm. But then I said, if you are not aligned because we need to be aligned, because we need to be the most effective and efficient we can possibly be because we are guardians of the donor sure. dollar. Yep. So we need to be more effective and efficient than any corporate is my my stance on this mm -hmm. because because of that situation. And if you are not, if we're not all pulling in the same direction, then we're not going to be able to achieve that. So if you're not aligned with where we're going and the route we're taking, I want you to think about why you're here. So I actually had everyone sign a commitment canvas. And I said, if you hesitate in signing this canvas, I want you to think about why. Because the thing about people when they're in that position, if they stay in your organization, no matter what the organization is, and they're, they're not aligned and they're disgruntled in any way, shape or form, they spend their whole time, they're negative yep. and they're trying to drag other people into their negative corner. Yet, if they leave, they can go somewhere where they can be aligned yep. and they can be positive. And you get someone into your organization who isn't negative, who is aligned. So it's a win-win. So I always say, don't stay somewhere when you're disgruntled or not aligned, leave. Because I had left Starlight and then I came back mm. and I didn't leave. I, I left because I love Starlight, but at that moment I needed another challenge and there wasn't another challenge for me to have okay. at that moment in time and I didn't want to stay there being disgruntled about the fact or or not topping up my cup because yep. I wanted to be challenged yep. so I left so it's okay to leave and sometimes people get into that space where they can't leave organizations and they really should what happened some people left yeah. and that was great great for them um, and great for us and then we had the people who were there who were aligned now the other thing that I talk about when we talk about positive, and we then started a short while after that, started to work in that area of pos psych, which is always, you know, it's just us stepping up. Did you introduce before or did you introduce it? We introduced it in about 2011, 12, okay. yeah. So just after. And that that also, people will sometimes say, oh, but that means, well, first of all, they will talk about the fact that positivity can be negative. And it's like, well, no, it's not. Because if you're authentically positive, yeah. it actually sets you up for more robust debate. Because the debate- for it. Yeah, that's right. The debate is then and it's not a debate. about- It's not a personal attack. It's not a personal attack. Exactly. <laughs> and I'm you, not going into a room worried. I'm going into a room to entertain a, a good, healthy to discussion. To have an open mind. Because yeah. when you are positive and you have a positive mindset, and when yeah. you have an organization where it's safe to fail, yes. okay, because um, that's important, then people are more creative. They trust each other. Well, I was- All of these things that, that come in, that are part of that positive psychology. Yeah, one and thing that struck me when I was reading uh, your background and-, and about the organisation compared to corporate Australia. And mm. so I'll ask in a second about some areas you think corporate Australia could take on board. There must be an enormous amount of creativity oh, yeah. in this organisation. Well, sometimes you're not allowed to do it in corporate Australia. Yeah, Stay within the boundaries. Sometimes you are. But I look at your, your organisation, it seems to be non-stop. We are in, I always say, we're an eternal startup because that's how we have to think. Because yep. startups are fast, they're lean, They've got a whole group of people who are champions there who, you know, want to get to that next kind of rung, and that's how I think we've got to act. So, of course, as we grow, we have got to 
ensure that we have systems and processes in place. So we well, don't that's, have, that's 101. Yeah, got to do that. Yep. So that that's all there. But nothing at the expense of that innovation. But we but we also look for process. So we worked with Inventium and we actually have innovation champions trained within the business. And there's okay. an innovation process and everyone is innovative. It's not that there's the innovation team and they sit over there and they're the people who are creative, every single person, because innovation is any change which adds value. So if you're in the finance team and you had a dashboard that used to run over 26 pages and take you six days to put together, and you can actually summarize that into a better way using whatever tech tool, and it's now one page and it takes you half a day, that's an innovation. Yeah because it's added value to the business and to, to what you do and it then frees up. And then it, the other thing we talk about is using technology to enable more of the human because once you use technology to do the stuff that we find repetitive and boring, mm -hmm. it enables you to do the stuff that we as humans are good at, which is the relationships and the inspiring and the crea creativity. So, mm -hmm. so it's – it, that's how we kind of um, look at innovation and technology. How do you measure success then on, from the from the business side? Ah, every single bis business metric of ours so is improved. So if I go back to when I originally started, well, it's been a success story. Looking at it, yeah. So by having an a, an organisation which is aligned, engaged, which is supported, so they recognize that failure is accepted because it's you learn 10 times as much as something that doesn't go to plan as you do from something that that works incredibly well having that innovation mindset the tools of positivity every single business metric has improved and so i don't consider that you know none of these things are fluffy or nice to haves they're absolutely critical to us being the best we can be and when we started to bring pos psych to the team we truly did it not for for starlight but for the team so that they could be the best they could be in their life because we knew if they have these tools to help them with their whatever's going on at home then that gives them their best shot at bringing their best self into starlight and so that's that's how we brought that about but it is about the fact that our positive starlight experience is created is more than tenfold um, when I originally started. Our uh, fundraising is more than fivefold. But if you look at that, tenfold and fivefold, we're twice as efficient in terms of the way we're creating those. Those We are in the great places to work and we're in, you know, the top 10 or whatever the number. We have an 89%. We just recently did the McKenzie Organisational Health Index and we were in um, the top decile. They have nine different areas that they measure organisations on. We're in the top 10% for eight out of the 10, uh, eight out of the nine and in the top quartile for the other. And there was, they were looking at our chart saying there's no red on this chart because it really comes back to your people. So if I roll into your HQ, mm -hmm. what do I feel when I walk in? There'll be a lot of laughter, I hope. Um, you'll hear funny things. I remember vividly being in the boardroom just off reception 
in one of the uh, our corporate partners having a workshop one day, and the people who were with us had us singing. Um, Old MacDonald had a farm for some reason. We were doing this and adding in, you know, made up animals or whatever. And uh, I was thinking, I wonder who's come in to have their, you know, tax audit done or whatever is sitting out in reception, thinking, what the hell is going on in that room? What's the customers then? You want to talk us through that? Well, yours are complex. They're really complex, and you can be in multiple buckets. And the one thing that I haven't mentioned here is that we only have one value at Starlight, and I think this is really important. To shine? To shine. And so what is that? And so we talk about the fact that we shine for purpose. We shine, and so so that means that we're authentic. We're thinking about the children, you know, brightening lives. It's all of those things. We shine by being exceptional. So that's every person in every moment, no matter what they're doing, thinking, how can I take it up a level? By uh, We shine brighter together. So that's about collaboration and creativity and innovation because that's all there. So we look at all these different things, but – it doesn't matter what role you have in Starlight, whether it's me, whether it's someone who's a captain Starlight, someone in our finance team, any person at any moment can say, okay, in this moment, am I shining or how can I shine more brightly? You're about to send an email. How can I just make it more Starlighty? How can I up the ante and make it a bit more fun? Or And so that someone smiles when they get that email from you. So I think that that's something that's incredibly important and we're really about relationships at every level in Starlight. So in terms of customers, we have the children and young people we support Mm. and their families, Mm. okay? So we have all of those. The health professionals, we partner with health professionals right around the country. When we go into remote communities, we partner with the land councils or the elders or whoever it is in those communities. We partner with the CEOs of all the hospitals. We partner with our corporate partners. We partner with our volunteers, you know, our donors and supporters. They're partners and customers to us. So it's, you know, we have customers at every level. And you might have someone who was a previous child who is now a volunteer or, or a donor or a pr- previous child who is a, a corporate or a parent who's a corporate or so – it's so it's way more complex than any corporate organization I have worked in where you do have a more limited number of connections. And in my role, the number of people that I interact with is on steroids compared to any of those others, um, other organizations I've worked with because within a, an organization that like ours. That's what gets you ours, out of bed in the morning then? Sorry? That's what gets you out yeah, of yeah, bed yeah, in the morning? Yeah, I love, I love people. I love that interaction. Yep. I love our purpose. Talk, talk me through a relationship because that's a big thing. Mm-hmm. Purpose is one thing. Mm-hmm. Understanding your customer is another. Mm-hmm. Building an unbelievably good relationship. How do you do that? Um, I, I think – honesty and back to that listening. So really hearing people and the number of people who are not listening. And I was one of them. I remember once a client chipping me when I was, you know, um, in my advertising days. And he actually said to me, um, I can tell you're not listening to me and you're formulating an answer to my next kind of question. And he was absolutely bang on. I was like, you're right, I should. So when you're speaking to someone, they're the most important person in that in that moment and being able to truly hear them and being accessible and transparent is is really important but also being really personal so knowing things about people and knowing how special that is for them 
and ensuring that that you keep track of that and can talk about that. All right. So then what is leadership to you? Leadership is, I think that authenticity is really important. I think energy is really important. Everyone says authenticity. How many people you reckon really deliver on it? Well, I hope I do, but you can smell when they're not authentic. You know, you can smell it a mile off, and so does everyone in that organisation. I'm vulnerable, which is really important part of part of leadership. And you know, it, you know, if you if you do something, you muck it up. You go, and uh, you know, I will put my hand uh, hand up. Well, I just did. I just told you something that I did that was, and I will share those things with the team and say this. And I found this, or once a team member told me this, and I thought about was they were right. I that was the wrong thing for me to do. So I learned from that. And I just enjoy my team. I enjoy all of our donors, supporters. I really like these people and the families, you know, in those most challenging times and the things that they share with us. That's just a real privilege. So I think it's all of those those things that combine. Um, well, you're and only as good as your team. So how do you select that team? Well, all my team are way smarter than me and they're an amazing group of individuals who I am so proud to work with every day. I trust our recruitment system that every person who comes to Starlight, I 100% trust from day one. Yeah, okay. And so- It's a given, is it? It's a given because if, you know, I trust that our team are doing a great job at getting the best people in for that role. So I trust that person from day one that they can do their role. So why does anybody else need to kind of stick their nose in? And sometimes- you know, sometimes you might not get that right, but you find that out down the track. But that whole sense of you start here and you've got to earn my trust, I, we don't have that. I think it's the wrong way to move. <laughs> okay. Came in after the GFC, mm-hmm. but you went through the tough time of COVID mm-hmm. and the leadership scale. Was that the most difficult and challenging of times for you on a leadership perspective? I actually think that the GFC was harder because we were match fit for COVID. And I say that because we were a team that was – trained in positive psychology, okay? That meant that we were already innovative. We were trusted our other team members. We were ahead in terms of technology. So we are an organization that is very family friendly. So people already could work very flexibly. So there were organizations who were trying to get their tech together to send their teams home. We just all went, goodbye, <laughs> go home. And we knew that would work. So that was fantastic. We were we had to move really fast and be innovative and change the way we did things in hospitals. So, But we already had the innovation process and innovation champions and recognized that. And so and now a new program that we have now that we're rolling out into every hospital across Australia called Planet Starlight, is which that? is a virtual Starlight Express room. So kids can go online, talk to Captain Starlight. There's four shows a day, and then they upload their artwork into the gallery. But it means that kids who are physically in a Starlight Express room can have their art uploaded and see it upload in real time into Planet Starlight. But we had that on our list of um, things to do that we probably wouldn't have got to. So COVID in many ways gave us the gift of time. 
because people, we weren't able to have our captains in the hospitals or our live wire teams in the hospitals to the extent they were. We were an essential service, but we were reduced. So we put people onto other other projects and it was a great learning experience. You know, we got people who are great at creating videos and incredibly creative to create like our finance video of how you log your expenses. It's one of the best finance videos you'll ever see. It's engaging and entertaining. And it's like, why don't we do that more often? So we actually found other superpowers that some of our team had. And we were also, when I came back after the GFC, we were exposed from a um, financial perspective and our revenue dipped. How bad? How bad was it? In in the GFC, it was significant and we were down around 30%, but we didn't have the diversified revenue stream. So we have grown considerably, but one of the absolute focus opportunities that I have worked on in that time is to diversify our revenue. And that gave us the stability so that it was, we dropped by 25%, but we're a much bigger organization. And it meant that we, I, I could sleep at night, whereas <laughs> GFC was um, was kind of a little more sleepless. And just giving that team communicating, 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 team first, and that's what we did. And I think the team respected that, recognized it. it was like, we've got this right from day one with COVID. Now, of course, we had no idea how long this was going to last. Mm. And I know naively when we were cancelling or postponing some of our physical events, fundraising events Mm. that were scheduled for the May-June. We were pushing them back thinking they'd be in the September-October and then they just all got cancelled. And then naively the next year we thought would be, oh, we'll open up now and it didn't happen again. And so we just got used to that, um, that pattern. What we were doing in the hospitals was so needed because think of being a child in hospital when you can't have any visitors. You had to designate one parent. The need for what we were doing was higher. That's why we had to be creative with it and to support those kids. So the need was, was even it, was greater. Was it difficult for the government, the government to allow Captain Starlights to go into the hospital? Or Well, that's a hospital-by-hospital hospital basis, but we were reduced. You know, Some of the rooms were closed, some of the rooms were open with limited access in some places we weren't allowed on wards, on some we were, because our health system is not consistent nationally. In fact, it's not even consistent within states. So right. this was a logistical nightmare to run yeah, this. Right. Yeah. Diversification of revenue. Mm-hmm. How, how have you diversified it? Well, we were very corporately focused mm-hmm. and we haven't lost that, but it's reduced as a percentage because we've grown and grown in other revenue streams. People will always start by saying to me, so who are your corporate supporters? And corporates are incredibly important and valuable and we love those relationships, but individuals are oh, really? always the biggest donors to any organisation. And so we now have monthly donors. We didn't have monthly donors previously. We now have around 30,000 people who give us $35 a month. That's really important. We were in the space of digital fundraising yes. prior to COVID. So a lot of people were scrambling to have their first ever attempt at that. You're already there. And we were already there and had the smarts, so an incredibly bright team in this space. And so we have grown our revenue in that space from I think about under $500,000 in 2018-19 to um, this year over $8 million and next year it'll go higher again. We'd also focused 
back post-GFC on philanthropy because we really didn't have – we used to back then raise around $140,000 from philanthropic gifts. They're the higher individual gifts from people. We now raise – in that space this year, it'll be close to $8 million. So significant growth in all those revenue streams. And our corporate has grown as well, but it's now a smaller percentage, which means when you have that diversification – when you have a bit of a uh, bump in the road, not all things are generally impacted. Any particular um, significant events that you do? That- uh, yeah, but events are- Are they, are uh, they passe now? They're, a bit, they're more old school, but we do have a signature event, which is our Starlight Five Chefs Dinner. Then we have an amazing ball, which runs, and they run in different locations around the country, called Star Ball, which runs in other locations, which is run by a third-party committee that's been doing that for over 20 years for Starlight. So they're the two kind of physical events that we have. And we're trialling a newer one now um, that's been quite successful called Decade. It started in Perth, and we're looking at the opportunity for that to roll into other places. And that picks up a next gen, and it's more about fun, fancy dress, dancing, and fundraising. So, yeah, so we, we try to do that too. So they're the things that we have. So looking ahead then, what where do you see the opportunities? I, I think that the the thing that is really powerful about Starlight is the more we do, the more we need to do because clinicians are constantly thinking now because we're seen as the It's almost a vicious circle in that regard in a nice way, isn't it? Sorry? It's almost a vicious circle. The more you do, the more you have to do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which is is reward in itself. Oh, yeah. Because what's happening is people are recognising. So I'll just give you an example. Yep. Children who are in palliative care, 70% of them are at home, okay? Mm. And sometimes that's not directly end of life and those children and families might be in palliative care for three years or so. And- just think of the impact on that family, especially if the child has issues with immune issues, so they, they're immunocompromised, they, they can't have people into the house, they can't necessarily go out of the house. You have parents who are focused on that care of that individual child. Think of what happens to the siblings. So it's, it's, it's a really challenging environment. And so a palliative care team in a hospital came to us and said, we're working with these families we can work for their and support their clinical needs, but we don't know how to engage them. And we think there's a real opportunity for Starlight. Yeah, right. And so what we often do is instead of going through some huge business case and piece of research, we'll go, why don't we just trial it? You know, mitigate the risk and work through that. But as long as there are none, let's just trial it. Let's work with this team, choose one or two families and see how this works. Just amazing results from day one. And then what happens is, that team goes to a palliative care conference and then suddenly our phones are ringing and everybody in every region around Australia wants to have, we call it Starlight Moments, wants to have our Starlight Moments program because it's supporting those families who are in that very challenging and stressful position of being in palliative care with their child at home. And that can be as simple as, you know, we knew that a child in a rural area loves an ice cream that's only available in the city and we then find out the size of their freezer and all of these things and arrange to get that ice cream delivered. But what that does in that moment is, this goes back to simple but powerful, these families feel so alone and like they're just going through this and nobody knows or cares or, and mm. often their friends and family don't slip away. They know they're there, but it's difficult and challenging for them to even be involved. Yeah, and in that moment, then 
somebody's thinking about them, someone's yep. someone's wanting to make them feel special, yep. and that just lifts everyone. And so we've done things like that. We've even had found out that a child used to love going to the movies, they can't. So we get a local, you know, video store to drop a screen around and a projector and and the relevant movies and we'll get a popcorn machine there and and suddenly they're having a movie night at home or pizzas are delivered. So simple things like that. And one of the most powerful was a a mum who spoke to our team and said, everything I'm doing is is for the child who is seriously ill. And it's my other child's birthday next week and I just don't have the bandwidth. And we said, just leave it to us. And so what was delivered to the home, we knew what the child liked, etc., was a themed birthday party, birthday cake, a pass the parcel present wrapped that they could play. So everything was delivered. And then just think of the weight off that mum's mind yep. when then she's not letting down another child because she's just so immersed in what she has to be doing for for one child in the family. So all of those things makes such a difference and and it just lifts the spirits of those families. It makes them feel like they're not alone, that someone's thinking of them and it changes everything. Louise, culture starts at the top. Mm -hmm. So you've been in the role for a while. Mm -hmm. You come across as incredibly energized and very in tune, very contemporary. How do you do that? How do you stay within what you specialize in ahead of the curve? How do you say you're open to new ideas? What goes through your mind? I'm never happy with where we are, (laughs) no matter how good that is. So I always have a bit of a discomfort of we could be doing this better. I think you've got to keep an external focus. And so what's happening in the world around, you know, how do I connect those dots and connect those? If you stay connected to people, so those relationships, like there's some great people out there and go and have coffees with them and just hear what wild and crazy things they're working on and then come back and think, wow, what relevance does that have to us? Or none, it just, but it's just exciting to hear. So make sure you are connecting with those people that fill you up, don't drain you. <laughs> so I, I try to um, stay away from the energy zappers and, um, and make sure I'm surrounded by the people who energize me. And where do you spend your time as a CEO? Uh, relationships. Are you the, you the one to uh, sit back and quietly think? I'm big on thinking. And you have to create that time to think. Yeah, when do you do that? And you can do it anywhere and anytime. And I sometimes do. So it's a bit of a daydream thing. I'm a Piscean, they daydream. And so, you know, you people will sometimes catch me uh, and I've kind of, you know, it might be at home and people think I'm watching telly and I've actually just gone out and I'm thinking it can be on a power walk. It can be on a golf course. It can be anywhere. It can be at your desk too. So it's, um, but you just have to create those moments. And I think it's reading fresh ideas, making sure that external focus is there, just looking at what's happening in the world, thinking how it's relevant to what you're doing. And that is energizing. But I never, you know how people start to write a document and they sit down and start doing this? It's like, I never do that. And even when I'm writing a speech, I actually have written the speech in my head and thought it through and thought of how it connects and how it delivers and what images I could possibly use before I ever do this. And so by the time I do this, it's kind of written. And people will be saying, you've got to write that speech for this. And I go, I'm I'm writing it. It's in here. Um, So I think that thinking can be very underrated (laughs) and you've got to spend that time and just ponder. And also – 
I like to socialize things. So, and I even, I, I counsel the team that I work with, even if you've thought things through and you've got it all planned, if you do that, people don't have any option or they'll tread very lightly around how they input. But if you go in and just plonk, even if you've got it all worked out in your mind and go, I'm thinking that maybe we could do blah, 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 and it sounds really early, people will jump in because then you've given them that option. But if you go to them with anything on paper or concrete, they'll then be thinking, ooh, they're here. How do I tell them that I think they made a mistake right back at the start or something or, you know. So, but if you go back in and go, well, I was thinking if we did this and then we could link to that and we did this and then they go, oh, okay, and then they're in from the beginning. So I really, and and I don't know what you call it, but that uh, plonking yourself and physical, you know, be their plonking offices, I much prefer that chat. I'm very much a just drop around and tell me as opposed to, I don't want to read reams of paper at this point in time. I just, if you're really crafting an idea, let's let's do that. And I think I've done some of my, you know, best strategic work on the back of napkins in restaurants when I wasn't really ever even going there to to do strategic work. So, <laughs> hey, just on that. So when you're in a flight or fancy and thinking like this, and then it, and it's been crystallised, any come to mind which have really actually did surpass the imagination or that napkin that day? I think our our value, our one value of shine, and the way I got to that was I started to look at our values that we had at that moment in time and felt like we needed to tweak them. And so what I did was I started to look at, again, looking externally, I went and looked at what are the top 20 charities in the world, what are their values? And then I kind of thought, what are the top 20 corporates' values? And I got them, and they were pretty well the same. Mm. So all of those organizations had words like integrity, respect, customer-centric, honesty. Some of them had it in more creative ways, but that's basically what it was. So I actually went to our leadership team and said, I've got this. This is a let's match the legs to the head exercise. Mm-hmm. And I, I had the – I put eight – you know, half a dozen different lists of values up and I put half a dozen names at the top and, you know, half of them were corporates and half of them were charities. And I said, which name goes with which set of values do you think? Nobody got it right. And I said, okay, in thinking about this, I want us to have a value that is so starlight, you can't take our name off the top and put somebody else's name on there. When I first started to float that idea of maybe we move to one, there were people who were not necessarily on board with that and thought it might not be right and it might seem a bit frivolous or superficial. And now it's just, I think it's so strong and so powerful. So it's also that kind of conviction of, oh, they didn't like that, but let me keep kind of be a bit more persistent and tenacious about this. And so I think that um, that's an example of, you know, floating an idea. People weren't on board. but And it, I think it's surpassed my expectations because it's it's worked so well. The team has really embraced it. Everyone knows what our value is and everyone knows how they can use it at any moment in time. Any um, surprises in terms of when you, when you set the tone early days, 
and those who want to depart, not under our alignment, but those who want to connect with me, people that you didn't expect or least expect come up with some brilliant ideas? Um, great ideas come from anywhere, like, and you've got, that's why we don't have an innovation team. That's why the whole team. So no innovation hub. No innovation. It's across the board and everyone can innovate. And I have the CEO Innovation Awards okay. and we give it for Think Innovation. We give it to an innovation team and then we have the innovation star who thinks innovatively about everything they're doing and people nominate those. We give those twice a year. So that's important. So it shines a light on people who are being innovative and what they are. And, and it's also about that customer centricity, trialing things, didn't work, iterating, going back. We also won the, the Australian Financial Review Innovation of the Year Award in the, um, uh, government not-for-profit education sector, You've which is a pretty, CEO, which is a pretty challenge. as well, you Yeah, not? I have. Yeah, just recently. So that was, that was a lovely surprise as well. So, um, those things are noted and it's great for our team. I feel incredibly proud when they see that happen. Has it, um, Delivered on your expectations? I love it. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I think that in a CEO role, it's a tough role because often it can be more lonely. You don't have a lot of people to bounce things off, but you've got to work out who are those trusted individuals you can call about things. And I do have a lot of those. I don't have a formalized mentor, but I have people I can call and I reach out all the time and I role model that. So when people will come into my office and go, I don't know, I go, let's call this person and don't put it off. I don't like procrastination. Let's call them right now. Okay. Let's just let's just do it. I'm very a just do it person. And nobody ever says no to helping you. They might say, I can't help you at this time, but I know someone else who's even better and I'll call them and they're available. If you ask people, people will help you every time. So I think that people need to get better at doing that and reaching out. I agree what you said. It's a tough role and it's a lonely role. You also must have some sites, experiences, phone calls, which no one really wants to have. Mm-hmm. And I know you've talked positivity all the way through. Yeah. But you're seeing some of the most difficult things yeah. that most people can see. Yeah. And I, bl- I believe you when you say positivity. But gosh, there must be some quiet moments you think, my God. Yeah. Sometimes there's, you just hear some news that you don't want to hear. Yeah. Um, and you just in that moment. What do you do? Um, well, I think we've got to, all got to tap into those tools. And if you think about our team who's working in the hospitals, they will, day they in, have this, out. they have this more regularly than I yeah. do. But yeah, sometimes it is just so real. And what we focus on, even in those situations is, the parents, we, we made, we provided moments and memories that would never have occurred and will stay with those family members forever. And so you've, Absolutely. even in that moment, you've got to think of how we changed that experience for the child, the family, and that we have provided something so positive it will last forever. What's next for you? <laughs> well, I'm already I'm on the board of the Community Council for Australia, mm-hmm. which is the peak body that represents us for government, uh, the sector to government. And I mean, this sector employs 1.4 million people. It's one of the largest sectors. And I think for us to have a collective voice to government where we don't, where you see other sectors, you know, a sector like mining, and yes, of course, there are huge dollars in mining, but it employs about 
290,000 people, but has a really strong voice at the table, whereas we as a sector don't. So I'd really love to see that um, come to fruition. You have a strong enough voice at the table? No, I don't think so. Mm. Don't think so at all. And I think we've got to get a bit louder about that. Yeah. Uh, I so think you're banging the drums well. Yeah, that's right. So, yeah. so do that. Yeah. And I think that um, I'm on the board of the Stanford Australia Foundation, and that provides opportunities for people from this sector to have a Stanford study experience. And we're also doing more of bringing professors to Australia so we can widen that. So raising the knowledge of the sector and the capability of the sector because this sector fills all the gaps that our government can't fill. It supports some of our most vulnerable people, environments, and it's needed. And so for us to be able to be changing the world into the future and and uh, improving everyone's life and experience of life, we need to ensure that we have some of the best talent we possibly can. And so I think working as part of those initiatives to help us to ensure we can ch- change the dial on that is really important. And what are you going to be doing on Christmas Day? Um, I will be having uh, my normal brunch at home with um, a group of friends that come every every year. I will be going to then. It's a you know we circulate circulate around the family, and it's not my turn this year, but off then for um, dinner. And I'll also be doing radio interviews and things because uh, there's lots of people who are listening into radio at that time of the year, and it's important for our only time of year too, right? Absolutely, and for us to get our message across that in that moment they can help us to change the life of a child and all we all they need to do is to make a donation to starlight to achieve that that's really important messaging at this time because at christmas time everyone thinks about the happiness of kids and for these kids who are doing it really tough and whose families are also financially impacted by the illness and all it brings it's more challenging and so for us to be there for them at that time and into 2024 is really important so to hopefully at this time of year when people are feeling generous and thinking about children and their happiness if we connect those dots hopefully they'll make a donation right, to so this is going to be released just before christmas mm-hmm. What could corporate Australia or entrepreneur Australia or startup Australia or just Australia do to help you guys out? They can make a donation to Starlight. They can go to starlight.org.au. But if they're looking for things for their team into the year, there are great opportunities to work with Starlight. And we always want to work in a mutually beneficial environment to have benefits like um, team engagement and connection. So ideas like our Starlight Super Swim, getting teams into those things, which give great benefit and improve the camaraderie and teamwork of your team and help us are also great ideas. So all of those things are on the table. And if anyone wants to speak to us about uh, an ongoing partnership of any type, just reach out. It's all on our website and uh, we have a great team who'd be happy to chat. And if you're looking back at that young girl or young lady who said, um, unfortunately, uh, saw someone else who had leukemia, Mm -hmm. which triggered this event and your change in life, what advice would you give to her, to you, all those years ago now? Um. I actually think that that the choices I've made are probably right because I got the amazing experience that I did in the corporate world. I um, went 
to a level that I was comfortable with. I've always changed when I felt I needed that new challenge and I listened to my heart. And so I think I'd say to that young girl, listen to your heart (laughs) because um, that will help you make the right decisions for you. On that, Louise, it's been a fantastic discussion. Thank you very much today. Thank you so much for having me. You've been listening to No Limitations. 